Well, good morning. It's been a good morning, hasn't it? The Lord's really been, been at work already this morning. Now, the band's staying up there because I'm going to ask them to help me here in just a second. <clears throat> okay? I uh, shared with our board this last week, you know, whenever there's a change that happens, particularly in a church, it can create stress and struggle. And sometimes we even kind of feel a little of insecurity and a little of unsure of who's in charge and what's going to happen. I think this Sunday, next Sunday in particular, I want to share with you some things I think that are very important for you as a church as you walk through this. Uh, some things that if, if you keep in focus and do, I think it will really help you grow in the way that God wants you to grow as a church. Because it's not just about me going where God's calling me. It's about you growing where you're at right now. And, and God wants that to happen in this church. I believe that. So, I think you're going to need what I share with you today, and particularly next week, uh, as you go into the future. My passage comes from John 17, 20 through 23. <clears throat> Jesus is praying. Praying not just for disciples, but in a sense for you and me. My prayer is not for them alone. Pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that you and me. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I in you. May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them, and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity, so that the world know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. <clears throat> I've asked the band to help me out this morning with this. Okay? Um, I've drafted them. So I'm going to ask each one to kind of kind of play two measures of a song, just in, you know individually. So we'll start with Danette. Just play a couple of measures, and then Bart, and and then Bolt, and just go across the the front of it, and just let them play two measures by themselves with a song. They're going to do something else. Did anybody notice anything about the, about their music? Did it sound the same? Did the drums sound like the keyboard? They didn't, did they? You know, and, and even even the two guitars sounded different. And the bass guy, I mean, he really of all these strings, he sounds really different than everybody, right? Now, if I told Bart, would you play a C minus on there for me? What's wrong with that? He can't play a C minus on the drums? Can you play a C minus? C minus. C, C, 
C minor, whatever. I don't... It, did I say C minus? I meant C. I'm sorry. I meant C C sharp or C flats where I was going. So I, you know, my mind's kind of. Sorry about that. C sharp, C C sharp, C flat. Okay. My point is that each instrument has its limitations, doesn't it? Right. I mean, the the, the drums can't say the keyboard because you're not like me. You don't deserve to be part of the band. Or the keyboard, you know, can't say can't say the guitar because I can play ten notes at once and you want to play six. You can't be part of the band, right? They're all different. They all they all sound different. They all work together different. But unity and oneness means that they all play together the same song in the same key at the same time in the same tempo, right? That's what it means. So I'm going to let them just do their thing right now and listen to them. Now, did you notice anything? By the way, they just showed how talented they are. If you guys don't know, they really showed their talent. Did you notice anything? Come on, did you notice something? What? There was discord, right? They played along pretty good. All of a sudden, everybody went off their own way and doing their own thing, right? And it took somebody bringing them back together to say, you know, we're going we're to play this together. Thank you. Appreciate it. You, you, you can go back and sit down. You see, when we talk about unity and talk about harmony, there's, a certain, there's certain things that are important that we, that we keep together. Okay? We're all a little different. We all got to understand that unity and harmony means we're all together on the same, in the same song, in the same key, you know, in the same tempo. And you know what you're talking about. No such thing as a C minus, is there? You see... If we look just briefly here what John says in John 17, you know, he's talking about the concepts uh, that we need to understand about Jesus and his Father, and then he begins to, to tell, talk about us, and that's where we're going to go this morning. Jesus was the one sent into the world by his Father. And he demonstrated that oneness that he had with his Father, and he wants us to have that same oneness. See, Jesus was sent to do what his Father had sent him. Okay? And he came in the fullness of his father's nature and the fullness of his father's divinity. Okay? He had all of that. And he was so united with his father that his father was first in everything he did. And Jesus' whole goal was to reveal the father to everyone. To reveal it to you and to me and, and to all that, that was around him. Okay? And he offered this inner window to God through the way he lived his life. He let us know that God is seeking a personal relationship with everybody. He prays that those who hear his word, those who hear the words of the apostles, those who grow from them, would become one even as his father are one. That that unity would speak to the world that he came into the world to bring us forgiveness of our sins. 
So he speaks very, very highly of how important unity is. This applies to all of us who call ourselves Christian. We're supposed to be united. We're supposed to be in harmony. Now, we don't share Jesus' divinity, but if you're a Christian, if you invite him into your hearts and lives, the scripture says you, you share his nature. You have the nature of Christ in you. His love, his grace, his compassion, his spirit of, 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 of caring. You have that. And our goal is to grow to be one in him. In other words, we kind of work to have the Father first in everything we do. Oneness is about keeping God first in the center of everything. And our goal is to reveal the heart and spirit of Jesus in everything we do. Our goal is to live out Jesus' self-giving love. And our goal is to work with Jesus to draw people to himself. Okay? That's what unites us. So if we start using this music analogy, Jesus is the director of the music we should be listening to. Okay? Can't be anybody else. Can't be you. Can't be the world. It's got to be Jesus. He's the conductor. He's playing. And he expects us all to be united, that we're singing, in, singing or playing in the same key, with the same tempo, okay? the same sheet music, because souls hang in the balance. Lives hang in the balance. We are to be united. And notice that Jesus says that this unity is so that they may be brought to complete unity to let the world know you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Unity speaks to the world about Jesus. When you look at our culture, you realize there's a lot of disunity in our culture. And the truth of the matter is there's a lot of disunity in the church today. Okay? It's... I think one of the tricks of the devil is to get our eyes off of Jesus and get us on anything else other than the Lord. And it may even be good things, okay? Maybe good things. But anytime we get our eyes off the conductor, what happens is you've got the disharmony that you hear up there in the band, right? Everybody's kind of going off their own way, playing their own tempo, doing their own note, whatever they're going to do, right? They change keys, whatever it is. They're all, and it sounds terrible, doesn't it? And if we allow that to happen within our hearts, if we allow that to happen in our homes, if we allow that to happen in our church, it damages our witness to the world. Okay? Because I've had people say, if that's what Christianity is all about, I don't want any part of it. They see the arguing and the fighting and all the things that happens between brothers and sisters in Jesus. And they decide, that's not for me. They got enough of that out there in the world anyway. So Jesus' prayer for you and me is that we would be one, even as he and his Father are one. So we're going to look at three different passages of Scripture that talk about that concept, that nature, those ideas of what it means to be one, what he wants us to do. The first one's in Ephesians 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn it. Ephesians 4, 1 to 7, and verses 11 to 16. Paul writes there, As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. 
Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Let's just stop there a minute. Paul says, look at at this. You guys need to be completely humble. Think about that. That's a tough concept, isn't it? It's the idea of being patient with everyone. It's the idea of being willing to forgive. It's the idea of being willing to understand. It's the idea of not demanding your own way. It's empathizing with the other. Then he says, be completely gentle. Notice that. The Bible repeats two or three places how important it is that love is gentle. And sometimes we make it harsh, don't we? And it can't be. That destroys the unity, the oneness that we are to have in Christ Jesus. It means we are willing to carry the load of somebody else. Part of what it means to be a brother and sister in the Lord means there's other, other people around us who are struggling, hurting, wounded, and broken. You've heard me say this. It's true. We are all dysfunctional in some way or another. Just accept it, okay? And God has brought you together in his body, in this church, that you might encourage and support one another. I will tell you, every one of our board members are wonderful, beautiful Christians. I love them with all my heart. I've prayed with them. I've wept for them. But they're not perfect. They're not. Okay? They're just like me. They have their flaws and their foibles and their dysfunctions. They need you to pray for them right now as they seek the heart of God to find the person God's calling here to replace me. Okay? It would be easy to criticize. It would be easy to point fingers. It would be easy to, to, to say, I don't know what's going on. That's not being gentle and humble and compassionate. You with me on that? And Paul says you must be completely humble, completely gentle, bearing with one another in love. That means put up with each other. I had three brothers in my family, okay? We are all different. They had to put up with me because I was the oldest, you know? But you have to put up with each other when you're in a family. Okay? And that's part of what it means to be part of God's family. And he says, make every effort, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And that word every effort is idea for zealous. It means be quickly zealous in keeping the unity of the Spirit among God's people through the bond of peace. Quickly zealous to do that. Notice what he says in the next, next verses there in Ephesians 4. For there is one body... One spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. And to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. What word did you hear in that passage of Scripture? One. One. There is one Lord over all. Jesus Christ is the Lord over every church that claims the name of Jesus. He says there's one body. There may be 30,000 different Protestant denominations in the world, okay? And that's what it is. But there's only one body of Christ. And it's everybody who names the name of Jesus Christ, who believes in what we sung in that song. They're part of our family. They're part of his body. 
And I know one thing. If this finger hurts, the whole body hurts. You know what I mean? If I stub my toe, the hand doesn't laugh. Right? There's one faith, one God, the Father of all. There's one. The stress is unity. If you skip the verse 11 there in Ephesians 4, it says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers. And I stop there and say, you know what? That means we all play different instruments. And they're not all going to sound alike. Okay? And there's certain things certain instruments cannot do. The drums cannot play C sharp. I got it right. Okay? The drums cannot play C sharp. Okay? Not possible. And you can't play more than six strings on a guitar. You can try that one time. Right? It just won't happen. It's just part of it. There are limitations to every instrument, just as there are limitations to every person and limitations in every church. But he says these were given to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Look at that. Ephesians 4.13, until we all reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, becoming mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Hear that? We're to work together so that the body of Christ may be built up. Your prayers, your giving, your encouraging is to build up the body of Christ. It's about Jesus. Your unity is never about what you want or what you like. It's about Jesus. Unity in your marriage is about Jesus. He says it's so we can reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of Jesus Christ becoming mature. I think God is tired of Christians that act like two-year-olds all the time. My definition of a two-year-old is, I want it now. Right? Give me it. I want it my way. No. Right? That's kind of a definition of a two-year-old, right? I think God wants us that are two-year-old Christians to grow beyond that. You understand? Our relationship with Jesus is about maturing, about growing, about changing from the inside out. Of really coming to understand the power of his love and grace and hope and peace and life. Of really enjoying life. Of celebrating every day. Of seeing what God can do with people of faith that stand up and say, Man, I'm excited about what God's going to do. Because this is the day the Lord has made. I will. And be glad in it. I'm not going to rejoice and be grumpy in it. Right? That's what he wants. And when you get to that kind of a mature relationship, you understand that this, this adventure that you're on is a faith adventure of, of seeing Jesus and discovering Jesus in everything that's going on. That God really does love you and he's at work in your life and he's at work in this church. It's a thrill. You see, that very next verse, Paul says in Ephesians 4, says, Then we will no longer be infants... Tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and cunning and craftiness of man in their deceitful scheming. No longer be infants. We become one in Jesus Christ. We are the family of God. Any of you know who Lou Holtz is? One time he was, one time uh, 
coach at Notre Dame. I think before they was a coach of Arkansas. This story comes from that, that era of his life. Arkansas was playing Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. And Oklahoma was rated number two in the country at the time. Arkansas had a chance. But two weeks before the Orange Bowl, three of the players on a team had broken team rules. Two of them were the starting running backs. Holt suspended them off the team. Just about a day later, another guy who was a starter on the team got injured. They were without three of their most important players right before the most important game of the year. At that point, everybody had written Arkansas off. They, we were a 21-point you know, underdog against Oklahoma. And they'd just gone through two weeks of terrible practice. They were just a day or two before the big game. And Holtz calls together a team meeting. He says this. He says, we had the worst days of practice that there ever was. All we, anybody could talk about is why we can't win. Now I want to hear why we can. He says, in my family, he says, when somebody's done well, we try to make that person feel special. We let him decide what to eat or what to talk about. And one by one, everybody tells that person something that, that's, that, that they love about them. They praise them. It's genuine and sincere. Now I want each of you to go around this room and say something about someone else that's genuine and sincere that you appreciate about them. The first one to stamp was an offensive lineman. And he praised the defense because they'd been one of the top-rated defenses in the country. Another player stood up and praised the place kicker because he was the best place kicker in the country at that day. Then a little guy stood up named Roland Sales. He was a running back. He said, you know, I've not practiced well because I've not felt well. But I want each of you to know that I, what a tremendous thrill it will be for me to play in this game. I've never started a game at running back. And playing with people just as fine as you means more to me than anything in my life. Do you know what happened in Orange Bowl? Oh, Arkansas won. 31 to 6. Because Holtz took a team and made it a family. You with me? There are things about people in this church you love and appreciate. And you probably never told them. I do appreciate, you know, you tell me how much you appreciate me and you're going to miss me. And I thank you for that. That's nice to hear. But I think there are people in here that need to hear that from you too. To say thank you to the sound guys. The only time you notice them is when something goes wrong, you know. Then everybody's staring up there, right? But I appreciate them. They don't get it perfect every time. It's hard to sit up there and try to figure out everything. But I appreciate them. I appreciate the, the ushers that stand out there every, every morning and greet everybody that comes in this church. And thank Larry for leading them. He does a great job. I appreciate uh, Eric and, and overseeing the ushers that take up the, the, the offering every Sunday and count it. I appreciate right now there's people up there in junior church that are missing worship so they can teach kids, your kids, about Jesus. And they're giving up of their time freely. I appreciate those that sit over here in the nursery and two and three-year-olds. I couldn't do that. Okay? That's got to be just outside of purgatory for me somewhere. You know what I mean? I mean, I keep my grandkids, right? My, my son and his wife were here about a year ago at Christmas. And they said to leave their, their like, two-year-old daughter with me while they went out for a date. I, I, I'd find all of a sudden I smelled something. 
So I thought I would check. Oh, yes, right in the middle of it all. You know, you pull your finger out and it's like, oh, my. Huh? Now, that's gross, isn't it? But out of love for people, your granddaughter, you clean her up and change her diaper and count it a privilege that you can spend time with her. See what I'm saying? That's what a family does. To say thank you that you've given your time and your energy and your talent and your gift to serve the church. That helps us become more united. To feel like we're a part of something. In Colossians 3 it says this. 3, 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since we are members of one body. You're called to peace. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I mean, those are just very similar words that we wrote, read just not long ago, right? I mean, what a list of things he says. That's unity, that's oneness, that's being a part of the body. One last passage in 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 10. Peter says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God, precious to him, like living stones, you're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in the scripture says, CLA and Zion is chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become a cornerstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message which they have heard. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his light. Once you are not a people, but now you are a people. Since you have received mercy, now you have... Since you did not receive mercy, now have received mercy. It's unity. We are churches being built together as a spiritual house, united together, establishing Christ in the world. If you look around, we're all different, aren't we? We all have different shapes, bodies, and colors of hair, and colors of skin, and colors of eyes, and different personalities and characteristics. We are different. But God specializes in differences. Think of all the different kinds of flowers he created. And each one was good. Think of all the different animals he created. And he loves each and every one of them. We are different in the church. But we're still part of the body. We still are. So this all means that God wants us to build us together into a symphony. We all play our part in key, in the right tempo, using the right sheet music. 
It means that, that, that we each learn our instrument and realize that there's limitations in all of them. It means we follow the director, Jesus. It means each of us must play the right note at the right time. And though we may not sound alike, we can all blend together in harmony. Think about what could happen. Think about what could happen. Your faith will begin to display itself when you do this. Your faith will be lived out. God's peace will begin to flow out of you. God's love will begin to flow out of you. It becomes something that people look at and say, you're different. What's different about you? You say, it's because of Jesus. Because I'm trying to hear the music of my heavenly conductor and follow where he leads and come in at the right moment and play the right note. And that, that creates harmony in the body of Christ. And it speaks to people out there. It's interesting. I think it's two of you at least, maybe three. It says you've talked to people out there and they find out, I hear you're losing your pastor. You're not losing me. Okay? You're losing your pastor. What's the problem? Isn't it interesting that people think because the pastor leaves there has to be a problem? Probably because most of the time when pastors leave, there is a problem. It's hard for them to grasp the concept that a pastor should follow the call of God. That I, when I knelt by my bed at 17, or excuse me, about 21 and answered the call of God, I didn't know what it meant. I've learned over the years. But God called me into the ministry. He calls me to a church. And he calls me from a church. I, I wish it would be wonderfully accepted by our culture around us so they would understand that. That it's about God's work in our hearts and God's work in our lives and following where he's leading because he is the conductor of everything. Think how it would speak to them when we show unity and compassion and patience and gentleness in all this. Think what could happen. So I encourage you over these next weeks, okay? I encourage you to pray and work to reveal the heart of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus in you. I encourage you, ask you to pray and work to live out Jesus' self-giving love in your life. And ask you to please pray and work with Jesus to draw others into a personal relationship with him. That's what the church is about. You get that right and live that out. And I've discovered most everything else will fall into place. I told the board, and I'm telling you this morning, when I met with them Thursday night, I have really struggled with leaving earlier than I told you I was going to leave. I walk in here and pray and I say, God, I feel like I'm letting them down, that I'm abandoning them. I struggle with that. And I prayed for a couple weeks about that. I think it was either Monday or Tuesday, so we can't remember which day. God spoke to my heart. I'll just tell you like I told the board. When you were in school and the teacher taught you about two weeks all this information, what did she do? What came next? You you had a test, right? 
to see how well you've learned it. I told the board, God said to me that I, this is what I want to happen because the leadership of this church is about to walk through a test. And you guys are too. Your faith, your trust, your prayers, your life. I mean, you can't hardly go through Scripture but find where God put somebody through a test. And also the devil put him through temptation. So I'm here to tell you right now, like I told them, step into it. Don't give in. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. And never lean on your own understanding. And everything that happens, acknowledge Him. And He will make your path straight. You will be amazed at what God can do in you, what God will do in this church, and what God will do in this community. And it's all going to be based on how you respond to what God's doing. Now, I will be honest with you. I've been through tests before, and, and they're not fun. But if you walk by faith and not by sight, you can come out on the other side of that, and you'll, you'll be so much closer to God. You'll have so much more joy in your life, so much peace in your heart, so much strength of character and spirit. You'll be amazed how God's done in you if you respond as you should respond. You with me on this? That's not what you signed up for, I know. But I'm telling you what, it's part of of life in this world. It's a fallen, broken world. It's the way God works sometimes. And He does it out of love to help you become one in Him and demonstrate to the world what unity in His church can really mean. And speak to them about coming to know Jesus Christ. That's really what it's all about. It's about the man that went to that cross. And was nailed there. And suffered and bled and died. It's about him. And if we make it about anything else, we get in trouble. Make sense? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Father, I thank you for the ways that that you are working in this church and for the the wonders you're doing, Father. And Lord, I pray you'll just continue to guide and direct and to speak, Father. We ask, Lord, you'll guide your, your people as they search, Lord, and pray for the person you're drawing here. The man of God, Lord, you want here that can help this church become more than it is. We thank you, Father. I pray, Lord, this church will truly become one. United in Jesus Christ, in the one Lord, the one faith, the one baptism, the one spirit. Wrap your arms around him, Lord. For ask it, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. I want to know